Welcome to Third Church's T3 Family Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Now, this podcast is being recorded during the February Arctic Blast. I think today's high is like negative three. So hopefully you are warm and well. Thank you very much. We have received so much great feedback from our last podcast, as well as those parents and grandparents who have students that are in the current series, Faith in an Anxious World, that our student ministry team have been teaching. So we decided to call in a resident expert to help answer um, some questions that we have been navigating together as a team. So welcome to the podcast today, Joe Graybill. Yeah, thank you. So, Joe, we've met a handful of times. I know your wife's Rachel's family uh, pretty well. They're just pillars uh, in this area. I don't know if you remember this connection that I had with them. I was actually Ben's second grade teacher, um, and I also had the honor of baptizing Sophia. So could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, I've been a Pella resident since 2018, and I'm originally from Minneapolis, um, my wife is from here, Rachel, as you mentioned earlier, and we have two lovely daughters, Adeline and Sophia. And, um, I, I work in town uh, at LifePoint Counseling. Matthew Birch had brought me on back in 2018, and and I work primarily with youth and teens and talking about anxiety and depression. Hence the perfect fit for this this podcast and this discussion, for sure. You mentioned this a little bit. So in the previous podcast, we talked about how anxiety is kind of one of those plagues that is trying to steal, conquer, destroy the lives of our students, families, children. And it's a little bit of a silent plague that can creep in through some small openings in um, our homes and our hearts. What are some of the things that you see in youth culture or maybe the culture at large that creates anxiety in students. Yeah, that's a really great point. I think um, Satan utilizes anxiety as one of those cracks to get into your life and to really drum up the anticipated risks of situations that you encounter. And uh, think back to when you were a teen, uh, all the different scenarios you played out in your head before you went to school that day and, and how people would respond and all those sorts of things. And and what that might mean. And so there's meaning making involved. There's anticipated risk and, and Satan will use that and, and he'll drive a wedge. I like that word anticipated risk. That mm-hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit? What, what does that look like? Anticipated risk is something that occurs with anxiety where you're about to experience an event and you analyze what might happen and how it might impact you in a negative way. Teens do this in every encounter they have. Well, how might they respond to that joke, or how might they respond to that outfit, or what happens if I don't respond to that Snapchat in Mm. time? Mm -hmm. And so every choice they have has a potential to have anticipated risk drummed up by Satan. And in that, the battle is in the mind, correct? Mm. I'm assuming, is that correct? In some instances, yes. Okay. I think some instances it's, it can be uh, sort of this cycle that you're thinking in your brain. Mm. And um, in other instances, you know, there can be chemical reasons. Uh, 
okay. why we're experiencing anxiety. But yep. I tend to focus um, on what, how our thoughts inform how we feel. I'm not much on social media, but I've heard that seems like how our thoughts inform how we feel. That seems like something that we should tweet out. <laughs> I don't have social media presence either. Okay. <laughs> and, and the reason I don't is because of my anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do well with comparing and contrasting my life to others. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I find that is um, an aspect of social media, um, not the aspect, but a aspect, um, that is unhelpful and unhealthy for me. So I was just really spoken to, I should say, uh, the Lord really spoke to me probably five years ago. This, this isn't the place for you. Mm-hmm. It's unhealthy for you. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take a lot of that unnecessary anticipated risk and eliminate it by just not, not engaging in it. But the t- difficult task for a lot of these teens is that social media doesn't feel like a choice for them feels like it's the, it's the way, the way to communicate, to interact. And I think that's been a challenging thing for our youth and in a way that's different than their parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting how the Lord first works in your own personal life so that then you can share that message of hope with others. And so, you know, five years ago, your invitation to to not have a social media presence. Mm-hmm. And now um, that's that's a story that we're hearing quite a bit of is the Lord is inviting just healthy, healthy boundaries around social media. Well, I think Pastor Kevin's been doing a good job of talking about, you know, what we decide to invest our time in shapes how we think and feel and interact in the world mm-hmm. and what we attach to. And so you look at the, I mean, ask your teens what their screen times are. Eight, nine, ten hours a day. Yep. How much of that social media? Mm-hmm. Four or five? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is they feel chained to it. It's an insatiable need for instantaneous satisfaction. They just, they, if it's not now, if I don't feel good now at this moment, or if that isn't downloaded now, and that's, that's a real trigger for a lot of these kids. Mm-hmm. If they didn't respond to my message now, why didn't they respond? And in that, I'm assuming lies the anticipated risk of, okay, I need to respond to this. Yeah, it kind of takes that anticipated risk and it puts it in a pressure cooker, right? You mm-hmm. Give a teenage uh, a Snapchat that hasn't been responded to and for every minute that it hasn't been replied, they're thinking of four or five scenarios of, why it hasn't happened. And that's just the culture that they've grown up in. And, and what we really need to do is we need to, we need to arm our kids with healthy thinking patterns that are really rooted in, in what Christ believes us to be. Because as they are waiting for that, for that minute for response, and then another minute goes by, the chemical reactions that are happening in the brain are creating these uh, anxious, anxious pathways, kind of, yeah, I think the brain plays a role in it for sure. And it's almost like the more uh, thoughts or time we have to think about it, the more opportunity there is to drum up that anticipated risk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe they're aware of it and sometimes maybe they're not. And that's what I've appreciated about this series is we're really unpacking, well, what is anxiety? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And understanding that it feels that way 
or it, I should say it feels different for everybody in, in their own way. And giving those things names mm-hmm. so there are, they can, yeah. be, they can be known. Yeah. Well, part of my story, so some of what you are talking about sounds familiar. Part of my story is the Lord has, has healed me from a lot of anxiety. And God's healing is a mystery to me. Um, but when our oldest son was born, this was almost 20 years ago, um, I was released from the hospital with kind of a mother anxiety <laughs> alert label, so to speak. And I I would have a lot of that, what was it that you called it, anticipated risk. risk. Yeah. I would have a lot of that anticipated risk. I could worry or get anxious about so, so many things. And it didn't happen overnight, but... Three three to five years later, as I would take some spiritual inventories, um, I noticed that things that had triggered me before uh, just were not triggers anymore. Mm. And so I share that story as part of my testimony, um, not to shame or condemn anyone who currently feels maybe they're walking around with a, a anxiety alert label, um, Because, but I share it because... As we are talking and having these conversations um, and what students are learning about, and you've alluded to this earlier, is that paying attention to our anxiety helps us to learn about who we are as an individual, what situations make us feel um, unsteady or wobbly, and what are those healthy coping strategies that, that work. So I just share this as a testimony of hope that if you are suffering um, from anxiety right now, it might not be a lifetime thing. God works from the outside in and the inside out to bring that healing and wholeness that he desires for um, each of us. It's not that I'm never anxious, but by and large, I don't get tempted near as much to fall into unhealthy coping strategies as I did two decades ago. The world is very different than it was two decades ago. And we say this often in our ministries that kids and students, they're growing up in a different world. Would you say that some of the anxieties of youth culture today are different or similar to what even our parents experienced? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, um, it's both. And, And what I mean by is... Uh, similar teen anxiety over acceptance and sense of belonging and building confidence and self of, uh, sense of self mm-hmm. as it relates to your peers, but the pace at which it occurs inside, outside of school. Um, if, if you were on spring break, um, you were on spring break, mm-hmm. and they might call your house and leave a message, but you were unavailable, yep. right? And now if you're these, ice fishing, right, yeah, in the middle of the winter yeah, like you were this weekend, yeah, right? Yeah, you're unavailable. <laughs> you could just ice fish, yeah. yeah. And and now these kids are accessible at any minute. Um, and so that just, I think that creates just a little bit more of a pressurization, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the other piece, too, that I want to allude to is that the anticipated risk happens. And, and anxiety isn't just anticipated risk, but it's anticipated risk. At the same time, it's underestimating your resources that you have. And so if you think back to your story as a new mother um, uh, and the anxiety you were experiencing, 
there's a lot of responsibility in taking care of uh, a little baby. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we were so wound up focusing on all those risks that we didn't pay attention to all the gifts that God's given us to handle that situation or That's those right. potential risks. Mm-hmm. And so as parents might be listening to this and you're saying, well, how can I help my kid? It's um, one of two things, right? It's to tend to the risks or to tend to the resources. And if you're looking to provide some positive encouragement, it might be to say, you know, you have these skills in these areas to navigate this. Or it could be to help them ground or better understand what the the risks really are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. Yes, (laughs) yes, very much. Sorry. Could you expand on... You can tend to the risks or tend to the resources. What would that look like practically lived out in daily life? Um, So we've had those end-of-the-world conversations with our teenagers where something's happened and it's just completely, they've blown a gasket, right? And Mm -hmm. um, somebody says, I lost my cookies, that kind of thing, (laughs) right? And um, you can just sit with them and just hear them and listen to them and allow them to verbalize their thought process. And just by continuing to just kind of unpack that with them, Yeah. Okay. So that's happened. And as a result, this is kind of what you ended up feeling. Yeah. Well, then what happened? And help them expand this out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times everything sounds super true and real up in your head. But the moment you have to speak it out loud, you might actually hear some of the lies that Satan's been telling you with those anticipated risks. And you don't even have to point it out. You can just allow the child or the teen to speak it out loud and And even in that is an intervention in and of itself. But did I hear you say the first step is to validate what they are experiencing, kind of their feelings? Yeah, that's a good catch. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we just breeze over stuff like that. But yeah, it's so that happened. And this is this is what happened next. Man. Well, how'd you feel? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just validate with him. I can see that. Yeah, that, how'd that affect the rest of your day? Those sorts of things. I'm just, again, internalizing this in my own life, but when people do that for me, I just feel so seen and mm-hmm. so known. Yeah. And so that piece of, of also extending that grace to our children, grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think doing it in a way that sounds natural and organic is everybody's got their own way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's just, I see you, you know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of language. Mm-hmm. But if you have a kid at, you know, age five or six who's experiencing anxiety and you're trying to teach a coping skill, that would be something down to the effect of, remember, how we breathe is how we feel. Mm. Okay, how we breathe is how we feel. But if you're tending to like a 15 or 16-year-old, you're thinking more along the lines of, well, help me understand what that event meant to you? Mm -hmm. What sort of meaning making occurred from that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so your friend did not say hi to you. That means what? That you're a terrible friend, you must have done something wrong, and that they're never going to ever talk to you again. Or is there another alternative that might be a little more accurate? Mm -hmm. Because like I said earlier, how you think informs how you feel in a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. And so if we can catch ourselves in those um, tempted thought processes yep. where Satan's working, mm-hmm. and we can cling to the truth that 
really, we know we're saved. We're mm-hmm. God's children. You know, Jesus experienced everything that we've experienced. And what I like to tell parents is that even though times changed and cultures and fashions changed, anxiety and cues to anxiety haven't. They've all been the same. That's what I've appreciated about this series is it's really identifying what are those anxious cues? Mm-hmm. What do we feel in our body? And then what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And paying attention to, in, in some ways, even turning towards what we're feeling in our bodies instead of sometimes I feel like we are taught to, oh, no, that's bad, therefore run the other way. Our friend Kathy Deal will say, the most courageous thing you can do is walk towards those emotions and those feelings. Hmm. I agree with that. I think what we're trying to have these teens walk away with is that anxiety is a normal experience. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we just don't want for our peers is to be constantly navigating unnecessary anxiety mm-hmm. and having anxiety impair their ability to function. Can we stay there for just a second? So everyone mm-hmm. deals with anxiety, like what, what you said, um, on some level. How do parents, grandparents, leaders know, how do they know when their child, their student is out of, and I don't even know what word to call it, maybe quote unquote normal range of yeah. anxious anxiety levels? Well, the greatest thing with this is um, this constant need or making up excuses to miss school or avoiding activities that we previously had no problem going to. Mm-hmm. That's a really big indicator Anytime you see the impairment of a function that they used to be able to do easily, uh, that's a red flag. Okay. So different activities that they used to be involved in or excited about and then not wanting or showing excitement um, about those things. What would be some examples of that? I think there's the obvious signs and symptoms of anxiety that a lot of people are aware of, and that's the avoidance of activities. Um, but then there's also the opposite where we are biting off way more than we can chew and we're we're doing things Mm -hmm. to, um, distract ourselves from other, uh, feelings that we've been having. And so we take on more and more. And a lot of times people who struggle with anxiety are people who desire perfection and, and pursue perfection in their life. And that's another example. But if you're, if you're looking, you know, you could look at uh, your child and say, well, have we seen change in their sleep patterns? Have we seen a change in how they talk about themselves or what they're concerned about or all these sorts of things? And there's going to be some of that that's just normative in teenagehood, which mm-hmm. is why uh, identifying it is so challenging. Mm-hmm. Because what's a normal progression and what's um, anxiety taking root can be really hard to tease out as a parent. And each child in our home is also so different, Mm -hmm. which loops me back around to what you had originally said, to know your child. And so that way you can see, okay, we've seen a spike in this or a decline in this and be able to help each child kind of navigate the world. Um, For sure. Um, Anxiety can play out in a lot of different ways, but I always say one of the 
most helpful things for teens with anxiety is to just go back to their consistent or stable relationships or people they have in their life, whether that's a parent or a mentor or a pastor. Or it just continue to have regular meetings or check-ins with them. If that's coffee at Smoky Row every couple of weeks, it's that. If it's just a check-in after the little ones have gone to bed with your oldest teenager, it's, it's that. And just um, creating space to have those opportunities come up for the conversations to come up, I should say. I know in the student ministry series, growing your circle is what they have talked about, encouraging students to to grow their circle, which is exactly what what you're saying. And you're currently preparing to teach at at the mix. What has stood out to you as you've been preparing to talk? Well, first of all, what is your, um, What is your topic that you get to teach on? And then what is standing out to you as you're preparing for this talk? And you've shared a little bit about the series already. Yeah, so I'll be teaching on um, the series called Life in a Hurting World. It's it's kind of uh, the third out of, I think, four or five that we'll be doing on just um, the anxiety messages, I suppose is what they would be called. And what I'll really be um, stressing is that God created us with all these bells and whistles to go off, much like a car has uh, dashboard lights that go off. And some of those are really important. God created us to experience anxiety so that we survive. And it's important to understand that. Uh, We got to know the difference between um, a phone chiming and a lion growling. Mm. (laughs) Very different. Mm -hmm. And so... um, I want to help uh, these teens understand what their warning signs are, how they might be different, and then how quickly do we need to tend to those. And some of those might just be more of a result of stress that's coming up as opposed to anxiety. And managing those is going to be important and how it relates to our relationships as well. It's half the battle is knowing what dashboard lights even mean, Mm -hmm. right? And then what's an immediate need and what's not. I'm excited for our students to get that message and to start those processes of discerning the immediate needs versus the ones that don't, the ones that you can take a little bit more mm-hmm. more time with. And I am also, I get to wear two hats because I'm a ministry leader here at Third, but then I also know that uh, my son gets to sit under that teaching and those teachings, and my daughter with with high school. I've really appreciated the tools that are also being sent home. One of the things students are exploring is the Ignatian prayer of examine, and they call it something a little bit different. They call it the daily replay. But I think this is a beautiful resource so that we can develop prayer habits that can um, be contagious, hopefully, for, for our kids. And so if you have not seen this, if you don't have a student in the ministry and you haven't seen this yet, there's just five really practical steps that they are teaching or they're asking families to engage with at the end of each day. Um, becoming aware of God's presence. Where has God been at work in my life today? Reviewing the day with gratitude Whose friendship or expressions of love am I thankful for? Paying attention to your emotions, like what you had talked about, Joe. What conversations or moments uh, with others have been emotionally charged? And then to forgive and ask for forgiveness. Where can I make the first move towards creating peace? And the fifth one, looking towards tomorrow. 
So what interactions with others can I picture going differently tomorrow? That could talk directly to anticipated risk. So that's one of the things that that and growing the the daily replay and growing your circle are a couple of tools that the student ministry team are really equipping parents with. What are some of your favorite tools, I guess, in your toolbox of dealing with anxiety? Yeah, um, what's really great about that, the daily replay, is that it connects God's intended purpose with the teen or with the youth, Mm -hmm. and uh, understanding that God is still using you. You might be young, but God's using you in some way. Absolutely. And how has he interacted in your life today? Mm -hmm. And if if you experience some negativity or if you experience some high levels of emotion, that doesn't mean that God isn't using you. Right. And that um, that's one thing I don't want teens to walk away from feeling like anxiety is something they have to avoid. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you, anxiety is something that I experience. I'm feeling anxious right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that God isn't using me through this anxiety to talk about some things that will be helpful for others, yeah. for other children. Mm-hmm. And so there are moments of discomfort that we have to recognize that we are used by God. And the discernment piece is really what, we're, what we end up getting into is what of that is necessary for our sort of calling and maybe what's unnecessary and we're bringing upon ourselves. The social media piece for me was ruled as unnecessary. Uh-huh. But this is something that I, I feel is what God's calling me to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to speak to the daily replay piece and um, how that's helpful for me, how I cope personally with anxiety. Um, if, if it's something that's really short term and I'm anxious about it, distraction is a great technique. Mm-hmm. You know what? There are some instances where just listening to music and distracting your brain is helpful. And there's more of the long-term ones that needs to be coped with uh, in a more of a processing manner, Mm -hmm. uh, which is helpful to always talk to somebody about it or write about it, journal about it. That's helpful. Mm -hmm. Read about it. Learn about it. Um, Exercise is another great coping strategy, Um, as well as prayer. Uh, I love breath prayer. I love anything having to do with controlling what's happening in our bodies because that can help us understand and get grounded into the present moment. Mm And um, so much of anxious thinking and anxiety has to do with anticipation or things that have not happened yet. And so when we get grounded in the present, that's a great coping strategy because we're not anticipating anything. And so that's helpful. Um, What I try to do when I'm developing coping skills Um, either with a client or with myself as I look at things that I can do at home, things I can do in travel, things that I can do when I'm out in public. And so there are things that I try to have in each of those categories. So, for instance, um, at home right now, I have an ice rink in my backyard. (laughs) I can go out and skate. It's wonderful. Great way to clear your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I'm feeling anxious at church, I can't lace up my skates and right. go, get <laughs> go cope, right? Uh-huh. So that's why it's important to have those different tools or coping strategies that can be used in different places. Okay. Because if all we do is we just use the same tool over and over again, uh, it's not necessarily the best tool for the job. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's actually a math equation. Uh, that's how I teach it. Yeah. Is anxiety equals, and then there's a line. The numerator is um, the anticipated risk or the overestimation of risk. And the denominator is the underestimation or the failure to see the resources we have. And what I think is so amazing is that a lot of times when we're feeling anxious, we don't see God as a resource in that. Hmm. We're so busy looking at the risks and the anticipated risks of what we can control or can't control that we don't see God playing a role in this at all. Hmm. So sometimes I'll work that out with people and I say, where's God fit in this? Mm-hmm. Gee, I didn't really think of that. Yeah. And that's how we were created. We were created to need God, but then we were also created to need one another yeah. to, for that encouragement. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I don't know much about social media, but I know that people tweet out things that are important. And I feel like you have left us with possibly some great tweets. <laughs> so I love what you said about anxiety is anticipated risk and working through, working through that. The majority of our thinking can influence how we feel and important to stay grounded in the presence. Those are just, those are powerful statements right there. Is there anything else that you would add to those? I would just say that I think um, there's a great deal of sense of control that has to do with anxiety. And when we fail to see God as a resource in that, it, we can feel really, really small. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's important to really think about, reflect on, you know, what, what control do you have and how is God planning on using you with that control? Back to the conversation, we were not created to be self-sufficient. We were created to need God and, and each other. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and being part of this podcast. Would you mind just saying a prayer of blessing to close our time today? Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this opportunity to step into the uncomfortable space uh, where I'm anxious, but I'm able to um, uh, share a little bit of my experience with others. And I hope that these sorts of things can be sprinkled out there, Lord, and that um, that that it may be a blessing to other people. I thank you for this opportunity, and I ask that you bless all of us as we go throughout our weeks, as we try to stay warm. I also ask a, a, a prayer for those who um, might be living without shelter in days like today, Lord. I ask that you be with them, and that um, uh, all of us as God's children are, are mindful of those individuals and lend a, help, lend a helping hand. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this T3 Family Podcast. We hope it's been a blessing for you and your family.